Web3 would present a huge leap for creators uh, in that way. The freedom to create work that they really like and the fan and the works that fans really like as well. So to us, music is sort of the first step to this. Welcome back to Cool Hand Crypto, where cinema, culture, and crypto collide. My name is Matt Silverman, and please remember to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. If there's some aspect of Web3 that excites me almost as much as how it's going to change the film industry, it's music. Probably due to the file size of music and the speed at which music can be created, I've always noticed the music industry to be just a hair ahead of the curve ultimately foreshadowing where film and other industries are headed. Remember Napster or Kazaa, anybody? Here today to talk about their decentralized music NFT platform, Releap, which will unite musicians and their fans. William Wong, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Let's start with what is Releap? Releap is a decentralized platform for music NFTs. Uh, we want to be an exchange and a launchpad. So the exchange component allows any sort of indie label or any musician to upload their NFTs on our marketplace and they can trade and sell their NFTs in that way. The Launchpad is a more gated platform where musicians, independent or not independent, they can be signed to a label as long as their label lets them to debut their songs as a set of NFTs. So the debut aspect is really exciting because it means that the song doesn't appear on any sort of other platform. It appears only on the Launchpad, which makes the NFTs even more valuable. So uh, that's essentially what Relief is building. So there was three aspects to Relief. It was Relief Launch, Relief Exchange, and Relief Circles. Uh, do, do they go in that order? And I know you just sort of spoke about some of those, um, but maybe let's define each of those a little more in depth and talk about kind of the onboard process for a potential musician who, who wants to be involved with Releap. Um, so do, does Releap, is Releap launch the start of someone's engagement with Releap? Well, I'd say Releap Exchange is the start of the engagement. Uh, Releap Exchange is where you initially build your following. So if you're any sort of independent musician, you want to release music NFTs for the first time, there's actually no tool for you to do that on Solana. We are the first tool for music NFTs to be published on Solana. And you can do that using our minting machine on uh, Releap Exchange. So uh, that would actually allow any sort of artist to mint their first set of NFTs. And once you test the waters and you think that, oh, I'm, you, you can actually debut your track as a set of NFTs, you apply with us to issue your track as a set of NFTs on Releap Launch, where we give you all the marketing support that you need to engage with the crypto native community. And then afterwards, Releap Circles comes in. So a core thesis of our project is that Releap Circles provides a long tail to the NFT sale. Uh, an NFT represents a fraction of the music, but it also represents a pass to exclusive content. So what it essentially does when you buy a music NFT is it gives you exclusive access to uh, an exclusive space where you can interact with your fans and upload photos, videos, files, whatever you want. Uh, and only the people who have bought your NFTs can actually access that space. So I, I, I guess it would be really exchange and then really launch and then really circles. That's the order where you interact with. And anyone can submit to Releap Exchange or do you have to be accepted into Releap Exchange? Releap Exchange does not require any permission. 
So if there is obviously copyright violating material, we're probably have to gonna take it down. Uh, we can't delete the NFT, but we can take the listing down off our of our platform. But pretty much anyone can do that. Can you unpack Releap Circles a little bit more? Because that's sort of the community uh, aspect of it, right? Absolutely. So when we started in Web3, especially in Solana, we found that there wasn't really much infrastructure, much software, many uh, toolkits for musicians or creators to engage their fans, right? So we we spoke to a musician who did an NFT drop, and what she did was afterwards use something called Great Protocol uh, to sort of identify the fans that bought the NFT and admit them to the to the Discord, right? So this was something that required a lot of steps and required a lot of uh, sort of toying around with software that not all musicians necessarily know how to use. Our solution is sort of a all-in-one solution where when you sell the NFTs, you can automatically create that sort of exclusive space to interact with your fans. Another observation we found was that even in Web2, there was this sort of exclusive model where uh, musicians would create a Bandcamp account and they would create a subscription where members would have to subscribe on a monthly basis to access some exclusive content. And we were thinking, wouldn't it be great if musicians didn't have to maintain that monthly feed, but instead use that music NFT as a pass or, or as, a, as, as a system for fans to actually access the exclusive content instead of having to pay on a monthly basis. So those two observations coming together created something called Relief Circles, which is essentially allowing artists to monetize by creating these NFT, uh, these sets of NFT music NFTs and using those as a set of uh, access keys so that fans can ac actually access exclusive content using that. So how is this different than like you're saying, Bandcamp, I understand with monthly subscriptions, um, that makes sense. But what about something like Patreon, which might be a one-time fee or it might be monthly subscriptions, but also uh, gives the the user um, exclusive content depending on how much money they give. Um, this is, Web3 is obviously a very different place to, to do these things, but why so? This is just another tool in, in a creator's arsenal. So. If you listen to Cooper Trooper, or you listen to these other very influential uh, people within the space, they talk about uh, the creator economy being, uh, you know, Web3 spearheading the creator economy, especially with NFTs now representing uh, ownership or partial ownership of a creator's work. We think it's another tool in the creator's arsenal. So we, we don't seek to replace Patreon or replace these Web2 tools. If they're working for creators, then it's fine. We just want you know another set of tools that creators might find useful. And indeed, they are finding it useful. Would you say Releap, though, is potentially a replacement to a traditional music label? Music labels actually uh, go further than just publishing. So uh, they do, in addition to publishing or debuting tracks, which Releap does, they do marketing and they do event management, which Relief cannot do. So we do supplant some aspects of the record label, but we don't destroy uh, record labels uh, as it is. Um, definitely, I, I think Relief does embody that ethos of replacing or elim eliminating intermediaries that don't work. So currently, the ethos of Web3 is that we're eliminating 
intermediaries like banks or uh, these centralized uh, uh, authorities or entities that don't really add value to whatever the creator is doing or whatever uh, the value adder is doing. And uh, we, we seek to replace those functions in, in labels. Can you talk a little bit about, and I don't know if this came into your thought process when creating this platform, but the difference between NFTs and tokenization, uh, because I know that there are other platforms trying to enable creators by tokenizing their art as opposed to releasing um, a, a, an NFT for the art. They're both valuable and they're both very similar. Uh, so what is, what is your thought process as far as NFTs over tokenization? That's a great question. So I think there are several projects doing social tokens, as you say, and these social tokens are fungible, meaning that they're not different from each other. This is not so good because as a creator, you want the attention to be on your work most of the time rather than on yourself. If you want attention on yourself, then you can post a picture on Instagram, uh, post a selfie on Instagram, or you can sort of, there are other, a, lo a lot more other tools that help you do that. Uh, but then monetizing your work uh, per se is something that is not done in Web2. Uh, there's no tool set for that. And NFTs allow you to monetize based on the work you put out. And to do that, you would have to uh, use NFTs. Another aspect, another angle to this is that NFTs also function as collectibles. So to fans that really respect your work, having a segment or a share of that work is really valuable. And it creates an emotional connection that a fungible token can never have, which is why I think non-fungible tokens really is the forefront of creator economy tool. Can you talk about your decision to build this on Solana over another blockchain? There are so many different ones, so many different choices. Uh, big ones, small ones, and and no clear answer as to which one is is the best or which one should uh, these kind of platforms be built on. So, what what was your thought process for that? With the speed and low cost of operating on Solana, there really was no question. Uh, our comp our project always wanted to benefit independent artists, and for independent artists, that means that the minting cost should be low and it should, the transaction speed should be fast, and Solana fulfills both of those. In addition to that, the support coming from the Solana community is also really good. So we talked to the guys at Metaplex, we talked to the guys at Solana Foundation, and they have been immensely helpful in helping us sort of untangle some of the, um, some of the difficulties that we have, especially technical difficulties. One of the tricky parts of developing on Solana is probably that Solana and Rust are such new languages. And to find devs to develop on those platforms is pretty difficult. So our approach is luckily that, you know, I'm, I have a tech background and Aaron has a tech background. So we sort of uh, resolve those issues fairly quickly with the help of, of uh, the support that Solana has given us. So in just, I think it's the support and the performance of the of the chain. Sure, as you said, this is all a new language. I feel like uh, everything that is being built now, everything uh, we're trying to build, and every everyone every time I interview someone about whatever they're building, they're creating things that have never been created before. They're they're really at the the the, the bleeding edge, the the frontier of of all of this. Um, so, how do you make sure that while you're building a, a brand new way to do things? that 
it is easy to use, digestible, easy for people to understand, and something that isn't um, uh, distracting in its complication. I think UI plays a really big role in this. Uh, a good UI onboards users very easily. So a lot of these dApps that are currently being rolled out are really specific to a crypto native audience. So especially DeFi apps, uh, if you ask my mom to operate it, probably she wouldn't be able to understand a single thing. So the same principles in Web2 apply, right, for, for UI. Um, it's also the case for, you know, different projects to work together. So Phantom Wallet, I think, has just released their mobile app. And I think that's a really big step for the Solana community going forward because MetaMask has always had their app, but, so, uh, but Phantom Wallet has never had that mobile app or uh, you know, Solana wallets, they've relied on Soulflare or other sort of wallets, but uh, it's still not as easy to use as the Phantom mobile version. Uh, I think interoperability and when projects talk together to make things easier is also very important for the user experience. Do you have any insight as far as what makes a great user experience? Good user experience has to speak to the user, the language that they're familiar with. So for example, when we say um, minting an NFT, sometimes we have to sort of uh, put a tooltip next to it and tell the user what, what it is they're getting, right? How is it different from buying an NFT? These are concepts that we have to explain to the user as we're building a, a platform, especially a platform like Relief, which targets the, uh, the mass market. Um, also, I think user flows that give feedback is really important. So once you've minted an NFT, you, you should be directed straight to the profile where you can see the NFT uh, because they've after all, they've, they've paid for it. And this is something that users have to understand as well. I think uh, in addition to that, because we're working with independent artists and there's a huge human factor that drives adoption. So a lot of the times when users buy an NFT, the incentive is supporting the artist. So sometimes we give guidance to the artists to make sure that they are able to educate their fans on how to get these NFTs and what benefit they can derive from those. So it's really uh, the UI and also the artist educating their users. Yeah, that, that's the primary uh, promise of this show is to help educate myself and educate people listening uh, for, for all of this. That, that is the most important part of this uh, because it's a completely new vocabulary. Uh, so what are the economics as far as if I'm an artist and how much is it going to cost for me to, to list a song and then do I get, you know, a hundred percent of, of the sale of that or, or how does that break down? So release primary source of revenue is from the secondary trading. So when someone who's bought an NFT subsequently resells it to another collector, that transaction has a 2% fee on it. Other than that, we, we don't make money off anything else. So for an artist to issue an NFT, mint it or list it, it doesn't require any cost from them. What's even better is that artists don't have to pay an exorbitant mint fee because on OpenSea or any sort of Ethereum-based platform, you would have to pay a, a minting fee that is quite expensive, say about 400 to $500, and that would actually uh, turn, turn off a lot of musicians. What stage is Relief in right now? So currently we're testing our app for launch and our final launch will be in March. 
and what goes into the testing phase? It involves having beta testers coming on, testing the app, and as well as a smart contract audit to make sure that there are no bugs and the contract is safe and secure. What insight do you have into Web3 as a whole and the trajectory, maybe where is Reap really going, but also where is all of this headed? I think the creator economy is really important and the role Web3 will play on the creator economy. Uh, a lot of creators used to not have a voice, even on Web2, right? Um, for Web2, you see streaming services like Spotify and YouTube, and these platforms prioritize uh, number of views or the way you hit the algorithm right. That's something that Web3 can avoid because after all, the fans that buy the NFT are the fans that you can reach out to organically and you can touch the, their hearts using your work. And this doesn't, this can be fulfilled by any sort of algorithm. And in, in essence, that's what the creator's economy is about. It's about enabling creators to actually put out the work they love and connect with fans on that level. So I think Web3 would present a huge leap for creators uh, in that way. The freedom to create work that they really like and the fan and the works that fans really like as well. So to us, music is sort of the first step to this. Uh, definitely down the line, we might consider doing other mediums, but for now, music is the area we want to help musicians with the most. Why did you choose music to begin with? Because I used to be in an indie rock band. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I was in high school, uh, I would play guitar for uh, an indie rock band called Nocturnes, and we played a few shows. It was very difficult to get the band up and, uh, up and going, so we did a few shows uh, and a few live gigs in uh, a local bar district, but because of various reasons, like um, it just couldn't take off, and we couldn't understand why. I think it's mainly because we can't really, we couldn't really touch the, uh, reach the audiences that we wanted to. But with Web3, it's much more international, much more global, right? So if we were to put out a set of NFTs now, I think it would be, it would be good. Uh, we would be big. I think you've got to get the band back together. Yep, absolutely. How does a musician on Releap stand out? with the other Web3 music tools, or just like you said, general Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music, um, how do they stand out? How are they able to, to rise above all of that? I think having engagement on more crypto native platforms like Twitter is very, very important. I think that most crypto um, enthusiasts, crypto natives, NFT collectors are on that platform. So in, sort of engaging with the crypto community or any sort of community on that platform is really important. Another thing is actually creating a track record of success on platforms like Releap, SoundXYZ, uh, Audius, or these other Web3 projects. I think that's very important because once you have a track record of success, NFT collectors automatically think that uh, the next work you're putting out is going to be good. So. That is really important. And obviously, the quality of work must must come from the heart. It must be good. Um, or it must attract a community that uh, understands that work and appreciates that work in the same way. Do you see with these other platforms that you mentioned, is there any possible collaboration between Releap and them? Or are they competition and, and you're all building sort of separate destinations for, for creators? The beauty of Web3 is that everyone wants to work together. So log me, right? Like we all, we're all gonna make it. When I went to the Solana conference, we talked to the guys with, at Audius 
uh, we met a few other projects trying to do music NFT platforms as well. And we we're all enthusiastic about reaching that common goal, which is to actually help uh, Web3 reach that user adoption that it's destined to, to have. Uh, also, being on the same chain also gives you that solidarity. Uh, but that being said, being on different chains is also good, right? Because you're essentially giving the same service, but for different communities. So uh, we've talked to some projects on Polygon. We've talked to some projects on Ethereum. They all want to make it happen for musicians. They want to help musicians achieve uh, the, uh, the goal that they want. And with that, I think there's more room for collaboration than there is the need for co competition. Everyone's so driven to deliver a good product that you don't really need that much competition to make it work. So let's talk about the fan experience a little bit. As someone who's collecting a musician's NFTs, what is their experience like? Where do they um, store their NFTs? Are, is it in a wallet? And how do they listen to the music? When you go on Releap, you'll be able to see the launches that we've curated. This is the launch pad. And you click play and you listen to the music that you love. And if you love it, you mint the NFT. And it's going to be very quick because it's built on Solana. After that, it's going to pop up on your Phantom wallet. So it's any sort of wallet that you might use for an NFT purchase. It's the same wallet that you use for Magic Eden or for Solana. Art. And uh, we think that having uh, the Phantom wallet is good because it provides a familiar interface for any sort of NFT collector. You can also listen to the music by clicking on the link on the Phantom Wallet and you'll, you'll go back to the site, uh, which is Releap, and you can listen to the song in that way. So currently we're speaking with musicians to decide whether the NFTs should have images that are unique or non-unique. And some musicians want uh, a set of NFTs that are, are completely non-unique. So a track would have several uh, copies of them. So uh, for example, debuting one track would mean that debut uh, the musician is also debuting 50 NFTs of the same uh, of, the, of that same track. Another musician actually wants to have different images per NFT, and that would actually make the NFTs more collectible. And if they show up on your Phantom Wallet, you'll know that that image is very very special and unique. So it's a different experience for a different set of NFTs. Can you talk a little bit about creating? the difference between creating something that everyone has access to as far as fans, as far as uh, fans of the musicians versus something where only whales have access to someone who just buys up all the musicians, NFTs, and, and then no one can listen to it. How do you balance that? A good way to sort of avoid having whales buying up all these NFTs is issuing more copies because after all, uh, if your work is not shared amongst all your fans and it's only a small portion of your fans that get it, then it's really not a very effective tool to keep that engagement, right? So as a, mu as a musician, you actually want to reach more fans as possible. And NFTs are a way to actually give you that, uh, give you that channel to make sure you identify most of the fans that are, are passionate. Launch in March, and then and then what's next? Our March launch would actually have a launch pad, and the launch pad would have a, curate, a curated collection of artists and their works. After that, uh, I think two months after that, we'll, we'll have the exchange out, and the exchange will be an open marketplace for people to trade NFTs. And so the open marketplace is the thing that we're most excited about. 
because it's going to be unprecedented. There's no major music NFT platform on Solana that allows trading of music NFTs in that way. So I think there's going to be more increasing discussion on how music NFTs can help musicians. Our launch coincides with that hype, I think. After that, we're going to actually have more and more features. For example, we're exploring with some musicians to have the royalties distributed to NFT holders. And this is something that would allow fans to invest in the music early on. And when the track blows up, they're going to reap some sort of benefits uh, from the income that the track makes on other streaming platforms. Obviously, that uh, entails a lot of legal sort of uh, investigation, legal research on how we can do that without breaching any securities laws. But that's something in the works and we're cur something current we're currently investigating. We're building a, a project now and it's always, it seems to ebb and flow the liveliness of the Discord and we are constantly concerned about it and, and we're constantly trying to create a really fun, exciting, buzzy atmosphere. Uh, but there's no rule book on how to do this. How do you build that engagement within the Discord? Always touch on topics that the community loves. There's a reason why the community is there in the first place. In Relief's case, it's to support the musicians they love and to discover musicians that they will love. And to keep those audiences engaged is to make sure that the musicians do come on and they do answer the questions, they do, they do share the music. I think making sure that people talk to each other uh, is the way to keep the Discord alive. Uh, in, in cases where the Discord is not around the creator economy, it's something like a DAO or, or a DeFi project, then uh, make sure that the hype is, is there. Uh, drop announcements when the Discord is getting a bit silent. I think that's a really good way to maintain that sort of liveliness. Where can people go if they want to learn more about Releap and, and sign up, if they're a musician, if they're a fan? Uh, where do they go? If you're a musician, then you should go on our Discord and check out the, the community of musicians that are already on there. So I think it's very exciting because Discord channels actually allow you to talk and share your views on where the space is going. Our team is always there to listen about how musicians feel about this tool and what we can do to improve. Also, I think there's also a channel for you to share your own music. And that's a great way to actually let the community know how your music is and get excited about the NFT collections that you might release through our platform or through other platforms as well. I think the community aspect is really important. If you're a fan, then still go on our Discord and listen to the music and enjoy it, see what you like. If you really want to ape into it and you feel like it's good investment, then you should wait for our March release and buy up our NFTs. I'm really excited to see where Relief goes. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt.